And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and our Scottish Cup overfloweth with goals and drama this weekend. Never mind Messi v Ronaldo, Sunday saw Cosgrove vs Dobie. St Mirren got the hairdryer treatment thanks to Nicky Clark. And at Rugby Park, Rangers were awarded a penalty. I know, I'm as shocked as you are. The Scottish Women's Premier League season kicked off this weekend. Could Hibs break Glasgow City's streak? In the men's game, are Hibs about to appoint a muscle-bound manager? Keep your beefy hands off Craig Levine, we need his patter. And speaking of the capital, Edinburgh City continue their quest for promotion from League Two. We'll be speaking to Sporting Director and Scottish Cup winner, the original JJ, Jim Jeffries, is on the podcast. But joining me in the studio from The Telegraph, the new JJ. JJ Bull. The best JJ. And from Copper 90, it's Laura Brannan. The best Laura Brannan. Oh, yeah? Say yeah, it with conviction, Laura. <laughs> yeah, say it with conviction. How are you all? Did you have good fun in the Scottish Cup fever? Yes. I got to watch it on a big TV. My sister has a big TV. How big? 50 inches. Whoa. That's a That's whole a lot, lot of, of inches. That's a whole lot of TV. I got to watch it in our Rangers Supporters Club in London. Oh, cool. Where was that? Where was that? <laughs> it was actually um, not far from Angel. What's the place it's, called? It's ironically called The Green Man. You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> you are joking. Did they choose that deliberately or something? I, I don't know. I, spit, I don't know. It's a chicken the egg scenario here. What came first? my heart and my soul. Follow the gold and the black and watch history unfold. The Auchinleck adventure is over. The junior Scottish Cup run ended in round five at Tynecastle on Sunday as Hearts won 4-0 to advance to the last eight. Gordon Senior from the Hearts Review podcast joins us now. Gordon, it's been a good couple of weeks for Hearts, not just yesterday, but also the win at Kelly last weekend. Does it feel like you're starting to get back on track? Well, I don't want to say too much too soon, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, I, I think we were, we were getting ahead of ourselves back in October and then we see what happens. So, mm. but yeah, it's, I think there's still a work in progress, but it's definitely better than what it had been uh, t- towards the end of the year there. Do you think the return of Vucic Piazzu can, um, can really push you on? Because obviously his start to the season was, was massive and he just seemed to be like one of those players that was going to always be a threat up front. Yeah, absolutely huge. Um, I mean, he, he he's a player, and for for such a big guy, he can move and he's got skill, and and you know he's an absolute handful for defenders. I mean, uh, the, the Livingston game, for example, when he came on on Wednesday, there. I mean, these are big, tough, physical boys, and he was just throwing them about like rag dolls. You know, it's it's incredible the the, the size of the guy, and um, you know, he honestly reminds me of Lukaku a little bit. I mean, not not on the, the, the same level, but in terms of of what he gives you. And I think had he not had the injuries he's had, he probably would have been playing at a higher level, to be honest with you. But I think I think that's how Hearts have managed to get him. Because I think I, I read something that he's had four major injuries in the last four or five years. Mm. So I think that's probably where you can kind of worry about him. But if we can keep him fit and he can get a run of, run of fixtures, then I think he'll, he'll definitely be a key player for us. Even uh, Kina looked good at the weekend as well. So, so this boy's still only 19. He's... 
been out at the Fremlin this season, now he's just been called back. What can we expect from him in the second half of the season? Well, I was quite disappointed that they actually sent him on loan at the start of the season, especially when we knew that we were losing Kyle Lafferty. Um, I think there's a player there, and I think that the confidence from the young man uh, to come on and take the goal as well as he did uh, just shows you that there's an exciting future there for him. Um, he was highly rated. I think it was uh, John Daly uh, that, that managed to get him in. Uh, they, I think it was last summer there and he, he went on loan originally uh, I, I can't remember who it was but he'd he done quite well scored a few goals in the lower leagues and then he'd he done well at Dunfermline and he's, he's came back and he's he's got a good chance to stake a claim and, and hopefully he'll, he'll score a few more before the end of the season So what do you hope for Hearts um, in the run into the end of the season? Because obviously you said yourself everyone was just getting a bit over the top with Hearts Mm -hmm. leading the league in the first two months of the season. So what what do you want to see in the run-in? Well, top three at the start of the season for for me had to be the aim. I I, I still think it's very achievable. Um, You know, Kilmarnock and Aberdeen have have done well, especially Aberdeen to come from where where they were at the start of the season. Mm. Um, but I, I still think man for man Hearts are just as good if not better than those two sides and I think as the season goes on and looking at the, the run of fixtures Kelly and Aberdeen have both still got to come to Tincastle again I mean we've got to go to Pataudry in, in the split but you know there's no reason why we can't finish above those two and finish third I think second they'll just be out of our reach um, and, and hopefully if the draw's kind to us tonight we can see ourselves back at Hamden and, and have a crack at the cup do you think um, Hearts have got a real chance of keeping hold of Stephen Naismith in the summer? Because obviously he's on loan at the moment, but there's talks about Birmingham mm-hmm. wanting to grab him and Jim. Yeah, I, I would say Naismith's more likely to stay than Jim, to, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. But it's really difficult to say. You know, I, I didn't think we'd get him back this season, never mind keeping him after that. I don't know. I would say it's probably 50 50. I mean, if there's a, a huge money offer and it's right for him, he'll probably take yeah. it. But, you know, he seems to be settled up here, he seems to like the club. I think there's opportunities for him to progress his coaching career after he finishes football. He might just fancy staying up here, you know. You, you never know. He, he's different from your average footballer, I think. He looks at things differently. And I think that the idea of him staying around this club and cementing, you know, history potentially, he, he might fancy it with some of the youngsters coming through that, you know, he might think to himself, well, actually, we've got a good, good chance of doing something here. I'll, I'll stick around. And hopefully that's the case. I mean, he's, he's not money motivated, but. You know, he'll event a, a fair few bucks down at Norwich and Everton. So, you know, you, you never know. I think June's more likely to leave, to be honest with you. I think he'll he'll want a crack down at England and he probably deserves it. He, he's been he's actually been excellent the last three or four months compared to the last year before that. Fair enough he'd been injured, but his performances had been below his standard. He's coming back to his best. So I would be very shocked if a club didn't take a punt on him, especially on a free transfer. So two thousand Talbot fans came, right? It must have been quite a good fun. Yeah, I, I think I think they brought more the last time, to be honest with you. But Sorry, yeah. um, they, they, fair play to them, you know, they made plenty of noise, and it's a day out in the capital for them. So three o'clock kick off, you know, I mean, they, they would have had a great time regardless of the result, and you know, they, they backed their team right to the final whistle. So so fair play to them. I think you need uh, the big team, and this is actually said by one of the managers. I can't remember who said it, but uh, you need the big teams to have a bad day for you to have a hope of getting into it. And clearly, Talbot were just they're just not good enough. It's not a bad thing on them. They just were nowhere near the quality it of was hearts. Just a step too far. Oh, as yeah. simple as, but yeah. it was it was certainly good to just see a side like that, you know, competing against a you know top flight team. Hearts are too good this season as well. Yeah, maybe if it'd been a lower league premiership for a higher end championship team, it could have been a tighter challenge. But well, they, they had their big win. Them. I mean, beating Air, you know, 
That's class. That's Derby that's win. That's someone will go down in history. Yeah. Aye. That was really fun to watch as well, that win. <laughs> Getting that far for a team that size is pretty massive. So just dine on that. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Here's Stephen Doby. Oh, that's outstanding. It's absolutely outstanding from Queen of the South. Man of the moment. The King of Queens does it again. Goal number 38 for Stephen Doby this season in a Queen of the South shirt. But Aberdeen have their own striker in sensational shape, Sam Cosgrove. He scored twice as Aberdeen ran out 4-1 winners at Pitodre on Sunday. It's such a good goal from Doby though, guys. The best thing about it is the way he puts his foot straight through. So he's running, he's coming inside, but he puts his foot straight through it and it doesn't spin in the air, so it flies yeah. into the top corner. I think Joe Lewis grabbed the ball afterwards and camera cut to him and he was obviously berating his, his defence because there was a lot of space. But the thing is, like... It should be fine to shoot be 30 fine. yards. Yeah, yeah. It should be. But then he did score a similar kind of goal against Dundee, didn't he? Oh, but you can't predict friends. that, can you? You can say, like, just don't make them score within... Like, your best place to score is within the, the box. That's economically the best place you'll score all yeah. your highest XG is. But you can't just just let them shoot from 30 yards. He's not going to put it top corner. Oh, he has. Was this similar to Ocken, like Talbot in, in a way that it was a step too far for Queen of the South or were they actually really in the game? It was absolutely nowhere near like Talbot. Queen of the South were right in the game. In the first half, Aberdeen were nowhere near good enough. I think you could see that Aberdeen had the better players in the first half but they came into it with um, a very kind of tepid motivation. It just wasn't, they weren't right into the game and it's as simple as that. They weren't getting anything done. Uh, Stevie May was running around for no real reason, just chasing things. That's what Stevie May does, though, right? That is what Stevie May does. He does it well. But (laughs) there's no need for him when you've got Greg Stewart, because he's taking up Greg Stewart's space at halftime. May comes off, McGinn comes on, changes the game. They also were just far more up for it in that second half. So do you think McInnes just put a rocket up their ass? I think, I don't even know if it's that. He was just being like, you're... You are sitting high in the Premiership. You are very good players. Yeah. You can't just turn up and expect to roll over teams like this. This is the exact kind of performance where a lower league team will win if well, you play it like happened that. happened in 08, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still people still have scars from that. Like, oh, Queen of the South, I remember that name. But you would, well, obviously, you would have been supporting them in the cup finals because he got to the final that year, didn't he? Well, well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. That was Jimmy Calderwood. It was um, it's when he had his... Uh, that was his dark days. That started the uh, the downfall. What a tan, though. Do you think that's why it... <laughs> it's never dark where he is, yeah. <laughs> Do you think this is why the TV uh, wanted to pick this one up as one of the broadcast games? Was it Shades of the 4-3 game back then? Probably, because it's quite a romantic thing. It could have been... Um, as well, they were in the game still even at like 2-1, I think, and then the penalty came along. I felt really sorry for Queens because it, it wasn't a penalty. It actually comes off Andy Sterling's hip and then onto his arm. He's right next to Logan and he jumps. Yeah. And his arms are in a totally natural place. It hits his chest. It's one of those areas in the park where you obviously, anytime you know someone tries to whip the ball into the box and you're so close to the opposition player, yeah. the referee normally never gives that, but... Just know, because, just no, because it's like it's yeah. never deliberate. So yeah, he's he's jumped to block the ball. His arm's not in a natural position though. No, his elbow's not going far out. I mean, it's just never a penalty, and it's a shame, and it just killed it off. JJ, there's a little note here to remind me to ask why you hated the director cutting this game. Oh, it wasn't that I hate it. it was <laughs> <laughs> if anyone saw this game, you might know what I'm on about. A football game generally has been established that you film it from a wide. Camera one position. Oh, yeah, camera one position would be the wide angle view, and you see the you know most of the pitch, a half of the pitch, maybe a bit, a bit zoomed in, and you cut away for certain bits, normally in replays. Yes. Uh, this guy was full on Orson Welles on it, going for <laughs> uh, 
so there was a bit where GMS were running down the right, uh, right wing and then he was... It's like if you play Grand Theft Auto and you push the circle button when you're driving it and it shows you from yeah, all these cinematic, like, cinematic views. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. And then... Uh, <laughs> so what did it go? Did it go like kind of by the pitch? It was the guy in the steady cam side. behind the goal. Okay. Behind the, the goal. behind the goal line. Behind the goal. Well, maybe oh. maybe on the sideline. It looked. I mean, yeah, it was, on the sides, fair enough, because that happens quite a lot. But I thought he's from the way he was looking. It looks like he's from behind the goal. Anyway, it's uh, not behind the net. But then it's so it's a close up of GMS dribbling. I'm like, what are you? I mean, it's quite cool. But it's cool when you get go behind the scenes and you can look at the isolated camera angles and you can see what the game looks like from through those. But for an actual broadcast, it's not that it's different. They didn't like it. It's just that it throws you off a wee bit. I mean, it's kind of cool it's on good, one hand. It's good to try. It's good to try different things. Yeah, like, the reason I liked it is that the guy is obviously getting his big chance. This is one big chance. Well, you don't know that. Well, maybe I don't know that for sure. You maybe, don't know that. It'd be really could funny be a if it was. Experienced director. The, the actual director was taken ill. I was like, can anyone fly this plane? This like, <laughs> I can. I've been waiting for my. He's been a janitor the whole time. I've been waiting in the shadows. Now is my time to step up. Look at me, mum and dad. And he's choosing that angle, and then I don't know. This is the. Ninth quarter final in the last twelve attempts for Aberdeen. I'm sure you're. You think they've got a really good chance of getting to another final at Hamden? Hey, they can get a final going by the the run they've had. We've seen nine quarter finals in twelve attempts. Of course, they can get to a final. Can they win it? Not a hope in hell's oh, chance. Man. If they're playing Celtic in the final, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Because who remind me which teams have beaten Celtic in the Scottish Cup over the last? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Let's pay a little bit of attention to the Dunhamers. You know, Queen of the South are just outside the playoffs um, in the Championship, and Dobie is going to be the main man um, for them. Fifty-five percent of their goals he scored this season. I did like what Liam McLeod was saying on on comms for a, a BBC game. Give us your saying. best attempt. Was <laughs> he something like, "Forget about Messi, forget about Ronaldo, forget about That's Lewandowski"? That's what I said. <laughs> He's always in that tone, da, 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 da. and then he and then he goes, "It's Stephen Dobie." I mean. He's done well in the Scottish Championship. You know, he's scoring goals there, and he's scored a rocket. The King of game. Queens. It's a shame that he had that spell out. He's not spell out. It was more a quiet spell, kind of around mid October, mid November time, because he kind of got a bit quiet in the goals front. If he'd kept that up, that consistency, then he could have been the, the top scorer in the whole Europe. But I think to get because of the way the point system works, you'd have to score about eighty million goals, wouldn't you? Oh to, yeah. yeah, like well, wow. he can't win the golden shoe because he's not in the top division anyway. Uh, golden but, shoe. Yeah, is that another new name? It's for now it? the tartan. It's is now it? the tartan boot, is it not? So it was a golden boot. That's how I always knew it. But then when yeah. I checked it earlier, it's called the golden shoe now. When did this, that change? Is this for the Scottish Cup? Or no, is... no, this is for the whole of Europe. Really? Yeah. This is what happens when Stephen Doby retires, is that there's a golden shoe left behind. You've got to find someone who can fit it. I always yeah. thought it was called the golden boot, but now it's golden shoe and it's only top top division. So it's a shame, you know, championship players can't win it, but he would be up there in terms of goal numbers because he's on, he's on 20 goals in the league just now and Messi's on 21 for the league. Oh, well, let's hope there's still a Cinderella story <laughs> in the Scottish Cup yet. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. So if there's one thing this Kilmarnock Rangers saga needs, it's another game of football. Yes. Don't you agree? But we're not going to talk about the football. No, of course, we never do when it involves Kilmarnock and Rangers. But um, a 0-0 draw on Saturday, Rangers had four penalty um, awards not too long ago. And uh, they got another one. Do you think it was a penalty? What do you think first? Tell me, tell me about it. Um, so the way I look at it is it's harsh because Kurt Broadfoot's already on the ground, 
but he really dictates the flight of the ball and he kind of ends up kind of grabbing it. So I don't think the referee can do anything but award a penalty. I'm kind of in the... I think it's a penalty. I think it's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a penalty as well. All right, fact, let's I move think, on. In yeah. fact, I think it's not just a penalty, it's a red card as well. But um, No, because yeah. I don't really? think he meant it. Yeah. No, I think his hand is yeah. just there. Yeah. I'm with JJ on that one. No, he denied He denied the opposition a goal-scoring opportunity. But he, he cuddled did, the ball. But he gives them one by giving a penalty. I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. I, no, but I don't Two agree wrongs. with the rule. I don't, I don't like the rule where you punish a team twice. Yes. For a mistake. I'm very much against that rule. But in terms of the rule book, he denied a goal scoring opportunity with a handball inside the box. So it's a penalty and a red card. Interesting. Well, um, the best thing about the penalty decision is that it gave a chance for Daniel Backwin to absolutely punt the ball about 20 miles in the other direction <laughs> from the save. It's a yeah. great save. Although it's I think Tavernier yeah. hits it far too centrally. It's quite middle E of the goal. Yeah. It's. Um, Tavernier scored so many penalties. Well, he's had so many penalties. <laughs> he's had so many. <laughs> there was a couple of other weird bits in this game, like uh, from Alan Power, we had his foot yeah, higher than Ryan Jack's head, and Ryan Jack seems to attract an awful lot of... Studs. Studs. <laughs> a stud magnet. Did you think it was reckless? Um, I know I wouldn't put my foot that high up playing at Sunday League, so I think yeah. if you're a premiership footballer, I think you should know you can't do it, and especially in that tight area by the box. Do you think Alan Power will be cited after this whole saga that we've had about Alan McGregor getting retrospectively banned, Morelos's right. thing being Do I all... think he'll be cited? I'm going to use my... Um, I've got this from the SFA and how they help make decisions. I'm going to f- just flip it now, the coin, <laughs> the head. So I think that means he won't be cited. Nice. But they might have changed the rules for that as well at some point. Maybe heads means he will be cited. It's getting a bit personal between Steve Clark and Stephen Gerrard. So Clark pointed out before the game, Jordan Jones had been retrospectively banned for diving while another player had been involved in a similar incident and not been banned. Yeah, he was... Are you with Clark? Yeah, and also, we were talking about this last week and saying how it's just, it just comes at the back of a press conference with questions, but he was, mm-hmm. I think he's totally right. And then against St Mirren, Defoe goes down far too easily. You've now got, I mean, we had Levine and McInnes, now we've got Gerard and Clark having a go at each other. Um, Gerard saying that Clark is usually first class. But Gerard is... Um, a, I think this is the way you can tell Gerard is learning his, his trade as a manager because Brendan Rodgers wouldn't rise to that. I think he was just trying to ignore it. If you yeah. if you take the bite, like he's bitten on it clearly. Yes. And I think Clark knows that he can wind him up, hoping that he'll make him make decisions that he shouldn't be making. Yeah, the journalists have went fishing. They've taken it. And it's continuing to provide everyone with headlines throughout the week. And it's just this knock-on effect. And every time there's another press conference, the journalists will go to the opposition manager and go, well, he said... He said that he, she said, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Let's see how far we can take it until it gets to like day four. And you're like, right, this is getting ridiculous now. So they're, they're winding each other up. And it's it's daft and it can be petty. But at the same time, it's the ridiculousness of Scottish football. And it's still priceless. Just to rattle through some of the, the moments that have happened recently. Um, Alan McGregor being banned um, with really his challenge for Lewis Ferguson. And um, Morelos's um, appeal... Um, was thrown out and he's now having to serve a three-match ban now two because he's he didn't play in the Kilmarnock game do you think that's the right result? Yes, yes. It's absolutely so now we know for certain well I mean they could change it again but you're not allowed to stamp on someone's testicles that's been banned now <laughs> well you're getting kicked in the face let's not uh, pretend it wasn't a two-way street here it, like, <laughs> it was very much McKenna's kicking up but he's not going for his face no. and he like touches his nose and it's no all... one was innocent in this challenge I'm not saying he was innocent either 
But I'm saying, but you're just like, tr- like I don't know why you're trying to like. No, this isn't. Have a go this, no, this that. is this is nothing to do with the opposition. Uh, the the team. Stamped and McKenna. The, the team and the players that. are irrelevant. If a player goes up that high with a boot, you just said it with Alan Power. If a player does that and goes that high up in yeah. your face, it's a red it's, card. I think and it's if fair. someone boots you in the balls, it's a red card. I yeah. At the time, I think that that should have been too, uh, yellow for both players, oh, Morelos and McKenna. I think, I think to but, manage the game. But the the way the way from what my understanding is. Um, referees before the season started were told any contact or any kind of um, motion towards the nether regions um, <laughs> is kind of a straight sending off. Yeah. And, well, McKenna's reaction doesn't deserve a yellow, it deserves a red. You can't react to that. And I think yeah, it I is think, his reaction. I mean, within the context of the game, going for the face. Yeah. I think it's fair. I think... Um, I think the referee got it spot on. I think in the context of the game is what I meant because it meant both players were sent off and I didn't expect Morales to get sent off after he sent McKenna off. And also the referee was desperate as soon as he saw that from McKenna to go over and send him off. Mm-hmm. It was just weird how that whole thing played out. It was actually quite funny to watch. It was quite funny. But then like that, that thing on, uh, on you're not allowed to any action in the nether regions. Uh, what happened in the... Who was it, the Hearts player that had his... Stephen McLean on oh, Ibui Kuasi. Yes. Um, yeah, but he got, he got cited for that. Well, that's good. Yes. <laughs> Um, but but yeah. Morelos wasn't cited for um, booting Brown in the plums. No, and McGregor didn't get in trouble for kicking Ayer off the ball, but he did for this one on True Ferguson. As well. And then there was a couple. There was a couple of Celtic ones as well. There was Scott Brown on. Yeah, that was player, a bad challenge this week. Which, yeah. And Why is um, everyone going for the balls. I don't know. It's a It's a weakness. It's like in Zelda when you're trying to beat the boss. You've got to find the weakness. Well, I mean, that's always my tactic. If I'm going to get jumped in the street, you go for the balls. But yep. I don't think people are going to you start hear that, doing criminals? it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is going to become become the 2018-19 Scottish season tactic. Comes out to the Celtic. Oh! One thing's for sure, St Johnston are definitely sick of the sight of Celtic this season. The third meeting between these two sides in 10 days and it saw the Scottish Cup holders win 5-0, adding to their 6-0 victory over the Saints earlier in the season. Seven wins, 21 goals for Celtic in 2019, no goals conceded. Some reaction after losing to Rangers in the Derby, JJ. Albeit, they have played St Johnston three times. <laughs> I mean, they're the best team in the country by miles and they're just playing as they should do. I think that maybe that kind of defeat is what they needed to rattle the cage a bit and wake them up. But it's the, it's the additions that Brendan Rodgers has made, really. Oh, yeah, well. man. But like, Oliver Burke just seems to have yeah. so much. His acceleration and power is, it, it is frightening. His, People say it, but it, it really is. Yeah, his speed has been very impressive. I kind of said when he first came in a couple of weeks back, I'd be quite interested to see how he does because I've only really ever seen him play for Scotland and he was picked purely based on the, the fact that he played abroad. And it was meant to be, oh yeah, he's good now because he plays, he's a continental footballer. So I was always quite sceptical of Ollie Burke's skills, and now that I am seeing him come in, settle so quickly at Celtic, cause so many problems to the opposition, albeit always St Johnson, he has been very impressive so far. And I'd like now to see the next test on Thursday night when they take on European opposition, because I'd like to see how he steps that up a level. Mm-hmm. Someone who's been, you know, taking a, a fair bit of flack this season has been Scott Sinclair but a hat-trick and 11 goals and 11 games for him he seems to be very different from the player that he was when he first came into Scottish football but he still knows how to get into certain positions to score goals 
Yeah, I mean, again, he's just a very good player, so he's going to get those chances for Celtic. Do you think he's just a class above in, in the kind of football brain side? You know, is he just cleverer than most? Like his first touch is better than most. His yeah, he's 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 really quick. Like his physical attributes make him a a top Premiership player, and the way he thinks is quicker than most. He's just it's it's hard to describe. But how do you? But why say is he? Good why, is? But why is why is he getting so much flack this season? Because he wasn't. I don't think he was working as hard earlier in the season. I think he was kind of coasting because he knew he was that good. He didn't need to do the work, and then he lost his place. And then he's had to work to get back into it. And they brought players in, so there's actual competition now. Big game at Celtic Park um, when they take on Valencia in the Europa League on Thursday. And I got a question on Twitter from official football person. Should Celtic start French Eddie on Thursday? So Eduard, just kind of back from injury, um, did play against St Johnston. What do you think? I think you should just go with the, the team that's playing right now and doing very well I think Edouard can come on as a sub if he's not match fit there's no point putting him on straight away you can bring him on and link things they're at home so they can attack a bit but they've got to be careful because it's obviously a very good team so you're naturally going to probably give possession to Valencia most of the time and try and hit him on the counter attack Mm -hmm. which suits people with pace so people like um, Ollie Burke that kind of that kind of player and also if Timothy Weah can play I mean there's few humans in the world that can catch him turning into a very fast side you look at Ryan Christie as well. Obviously, spoke about Scott Sinclair, Callum McGregor as well. Certainly a bit deeper, but has the pace. James Forrest, we all know how fast he can be. They're so quick, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not just the fancy footwork and the the clever skills and being able to read a game. It is the speed as well. If a team cannot literally stop them in their tracks, mm-hmm. they're they're just going to run riot. It'll be a very different game though on Thursday against Valencia. Not the one get um, the same space. And I was looking time. at a few of the stats. Um, but they're quite aggressive, Valencia, and they've picked up like the second most yellow cards in the Champions League. So coming into this, like it could be quite a physical tie. This, um, it could be, but then a team from Spain being high up in yellow cards isn't quite the same when they come to Celtic Park and Scott Brune <laughs> says hello. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing all right in the Liga, but that's a higher stock of the league with they've got better players. So I mean, they did all right in the the Champions League as well. They didn't well, lose. Ma- they didn't Manchester United. Yeah, they didn't lose to them over the two games. They drew them as well. So I mean, eight points from a Champions League group with Juventus and Man, Man United. That's that's good going. It'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. And with Valencia without Gabriel and Batshuayi, who was pretty mince at Valencia anyway, Celtic could have a chance. We should talk about St Johnston very quickly before we move on. I quite like that Tommy Wright was saying before the game that their plan was to uh, try and gain 10% possession because they'd be able to hurt Celtic that way. <laughs> well Tommy what was, what was got, his reasoning for well if you have more possession you can get more shots on goal in theory I guess so they were, they're always like getting killed but 70-30 well Tommy's raised it to 47% in this game and they managed one shot on goal I think the, I think the strategy might just stick to being sit behind and hope for the best on the counter park in the bus and now yeah. it's not they don't have to worry about Celtic anymore for or the well. Scottish Cup unfortunately but maybe that'll help them better off in the, in the league going forward yeah, they might not be playing Celtic again. They could be slipping down. Yeah, but they are going back to Glasgow because they've got Rangers at Ibrox <laughs> on Saturday. Plenty of SPFL action this weekend. Here's Neil White with the best of that from the Championship, League One and Two. Hello, everybody. Only one game in the Championship this Scottish Cup weekend, but it was a significant one. Falkirk won 2-1 at Alloa and moved from the bottom of the table to eighth position. 
As you'll no doubt remember, Falkirk changed managers mid-season and then had a very busy January window. 12 in, 12 out. They've invested heavily in avoiding the drop. And they are unbeaten since the turn of the year and have won back-to-back games for the first time this season now. Jordan McGee headed them in front at Aloha. Connor Shields levelled with a neat finish for the home team. And then Mark Waddington, whose loan from Stoke was part of Falkirk's January shopping spree, won it with a messy affair at the back post. Three points now between Partick Thistle at the bottom and Dunfermline in seventh. The bottom two, Partick and Aloha now, meet on Saturday. The bottom club also escaped the basement in League One. Stennis Muir took care of Montrose with a debut goal from Greg Hurst a 21-year-old striker released by St Johnston at the end of 2018. His goal takes Stenny a point above Dumbarton. At the other end, fourth removed level with second place Wraith with a 2-0 win over Airdrie. League two and the table was set for Clyde with six minutes to play. Peterhead and Edinburgh City, top two, were playing out an attritional 0-0 draw in the northeast and Clyde were a goal up at Annan. It was the scenario Clyde's manager, Danny Lennon, would have been dreaming about all week. But his team blew the chance to go level with Peterhead in second. Annan's Kyle Bradley, on loan from Rangers and off the bench at Gallabank, scored a crucial goal that maintains Annan's position in the final playoff position in League Two. Below them, Sterling Albion have won five, drawn one since Christmas. They held on for a 2-1 win at Berwick after conceding late on. Sterling are four points away from the playoffs. At the bottom, Albion Rovers lost for the 17th time this season. 3-0 at home to Elgin, for whom defender Daryl McHardy scored a hat-trick. But Albion are not having quite as bad a season as the podcast favourites, Fort William. The bottom two in the Highland League met this weekend and Lossie Mouth just edged it 5-0. Fort William are winless and remain on minus seven points for the season after fielding an ineligible player three times. As Neil mentioned, the top two in League Two met on Saturday, but there was no separating Peterhead and Edinburgh City. We're joined now by a real stalwart of the Scottish game, now the sporting director at Edinburgh City, it's Jim Jeffries. Jim, a decent point in the end, away at your title rivals. Yes, uh, obviously it's, a, it's always a tough game to go up there and we were probably, before the game, would have thought if we took a point it wouldn't be the, the worst result, but we'll go to win every game and there's no doubt it wasn't the, the best of games due to the conditions, very windy I think that was evident a lot of games in, mm. at the weekend. Um, but when we get a wee feeling coming back from the, the trip that uh, we had a probably the best couple of chances, but it was a good point for us because it means when they have a couple of games in hand, it uh, means they've got to win those games, you know, which is never easy at this stage of the season. Does that suit you guys then, if you're top, top now, four points clear? Is that going to suit you going forward or just putting the pressure on to Peter Head? Do you prefer being in the lead at this stage? <laughs> well, you know, there's ways to look at it because yeah. we've been we've done fantastic this year. To be where we are after just being a couple of years in the league, we made a lot of changes, a lot of younger lads coming, a lot of uh, personnel moved on. And, you know, obviously, we didn't think, obviously, we, at this stage, it would be where we are and so it's a credit to the staff and the players and everyone that's worked behind the scenes to, to get where because we've been virtually at the top of the 
I think for a good part of the season, but um, or, or most of the season, for anybody to overtake us, they've got to win their games in hand. But they're well capable of doing that, so we just have to make sure we've got them to play again and sort of play for between now and the end of the season. Just picking up on your point um, about the fantastic work that, that you guys have, have done so far this season, you're right, and the fact that it's only been a few years since you've been at this level. Um, we spoke to the manager, James McDonough, um, on this podcast before, and it's such an ambitious project at Edinburgh, and I suppose that's why they've got yourself in, got your experience into the club, and what do you see like the ambition for the club and for, for what you can bring uh, to them? When I was approached, you know, they heard me in a radio station saying, you know, if something come up that would quite interest me and everything like that. And I, I, I knew he was the vice chairman at that time. Jim Brown was our, was our chairman now. He, he, I've, knew him, I've known him for a, quite a long time. So he phoned me up and asked me, you know, they've not got any contacts at that time. They had the previous manager who just did a fantastic job, brought them up from uh, the East of Scotland League and, or the Lowland League. And, and, you know, to do that, get beaten the players to go down, win the league again and then make it for the next time deserves a lot of credit. And you, you get a couple of years where you try to establish yourself and uh, you know, I say to Jim, I would just be there to, to help, you know, I don't interfere in any of the picking the team. And I've always said just the same to James when, I, when we recruited James, I've interviewed him and got him. If he asks me and he wants an opinion, I'll give him it honestly. He doesn't have to take it because at the end of the day, Yes, to stand and fall with the results, not not through somebody being told that what to do. So if James phoned me, we talk after mostly on a Sunday after each game about the game. Uh, he's doing a fantastic job, and of course I'm there to help because I know a lot of people in the game. And when we're targeting players like we have done at the start of the season, then I'm involved in the the talks with James and the, and the chairman to to get that player on on board within the budget and that was a big decision we had to make at the start of the season because the boys who had done a fantastic job bringing us up and keeping us there for a couple of seasons some of them were coming to their last stages of the career and I felt for us to move on we needed to support James and, and getting some uh, players who maybe even played at higher clubs uh, and didn't work out for them and hungry enough to want another challenge to, to try and prove uh, they can do it I think that's what we've benefited from uh, they're a good squad we've still got two or three experienced players but you know we've got good legs about them we're more mobile now and I think people are pleasant surprised how uh, how well we've done we'd be delighted I mean it'd be a fairy tale to win the league but uh, if we're finishing players or the top three that is just a marvellous marvellous season and it's just a springboard to try and you know if it doesn't happen this year we use that as the springboard to try and get promotion uh, as quick as we can. Definitely. I think it must feel pretty special being part of a an ambitious project like that. But then, were you were you tempted when there was talk of uh, Neil McCann having you in at, at Dundee to oversee that? Would it have been a similar role you would have done there that when you're talking to them? Yeah, well, Neil phoned me up, and I think he was at the stage where. Things were working. I think he needed, after speaking to John, he asked me to have a chat with John Helms. John Helms had probably favoured the idea of somebody with experience being there, done it. Uh, maybe the fact that Edinburgh City were going well and I could give Neil a bit of advice because I knew him well. I think that Neil was looking for somebody not to come in and challenge his job, something yeah. which I was, which he knew I wasn't. <laughs> it was just to help him and it was... Uh, 
a terrific offer. And I felt sorry for, for Neil because uh, it was a difficult time for him and just turned around my head all the time saying, you know, I'd love to help him. But it was just, it wasn't practical for me. And and obviously, we Edinburgh City flying. In fact, I spoke to Dundee the night before, the same night we played our both who were running away with the division above us. And we absolutely played terrific that night. So I think after that game, I thought, do I really want to give this up? Because it suits me. Fine, it's uh, getting to Edinburgh is no problem in that. But when you're talking about getting to Dundee in the morning and and with things as they were with uh, Neil, um, if he'd lost maybe a couple of games, it might have been a big change for a very short time. So it didn't really. But I was very, you know, flattered to be asked and uh, and considered. So it's going great in the league just now, Jim, for yourself, and it's also going great in the Ironbrook Cup as well. So next up, Saturday night game, Connors Key Nomads. What would it mean to the club to get to the final? Well, I mean, it's fantastic that we're talking about playing in a semi-final of the Challenge Cup because brilliant. Brilliant. you know you've got to come through the early rounds, and then we played Alawa, who are in the championship. Yeah. We've played them at home. We've given them two goals a start, and we end up beating them. It was a four-two, and uh, you know that was that was just an unbelievable. Uh, result after knocking a broth out as well, which are a division, as I say, they're running away with the, the league and above us. So, what great confidence it was boosting. Probably that's helped us in our league programme in our own league. There's no doubt about that, the confidence that we got. But we know it's a semi final, it's going to be tough. The Welsh League is, is what it is in terms of, uh, it's a little bit of unknown to us in terms of the you know, level they're at. It's a well-run club, and I spoke to the manager a couple of weeks ago. He was at our game, um, and it'll be tough. But if we play as well as we did against Alawa and a lot of the games this year and both, then we'll have a chance. And uh, what a fantastic day to look forward to if we can get through to the final on Saturday night. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Elsewhere in the Scottish Cup, St Mirren won, Dundee United 2. The Championship side through to the quarter-finals. This is one of those shocks that wasn't really a shock. Yeah, I think if you knew how bad St Mirren have been recently, um, I think quite a few would have tipped Dundee United. I mean, this could be a playoff final in the making. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time we've kind of seen Norrin Kearney really damning of his team. He said the first half was embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, at some point you just go, well, I mean, I've given you... I'm out. <laughs> he's, normally, he's normally so positive and kind of tries to find the good things to, to mention, but he had to be But honest. they're making him look a fool now. It's lowering his stock is the thing. I mean, they're now pumped out of the Scottish Cup by a lower league team. That's never good on your CV. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the players that are doing it, you know. But a lot of these players are his players that, have, that he's brought in now. True. But, I mean, like they could have been down to 10 men. Like quite early, when they, well, not early, but when um, Who Paul, was that with, yeah. Paul McGinn put his forearm through Cammy Smith, who used to play for St. Mirren, obviously. I'm surprised Colm didn't send him off there. Willie Colm. Sorry, I just said I'm, not, I'm surprised Willie Colm didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I am at all surprised that Willie Colm missed something. But maybe he was trying to manage the game or something. It looked like a clear red card to me going straight through him. Callum Butcher was sent off, though, and Robbie Nielsen agreed with that decision. I mean, when you see it, it's like 
bloody hell. <laughs> if you've not oh, seen yeah, it... It's the one in the, you... it's like the halfway line, and he just, just chops him. He just kicks him. Yeah. Like, it's kick. really close range as well. It's not even like you can... I like the way they kind of conjoin like two insects mating as they fall to the floor as well, because they've both got their studs up, like chest yeah, high. Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. the studs come down into the nether regions, as we've been discussing throughout today. Yeah. But uh, yeah, clear, clear red... Things are going well for Dundee United just now, though. Been, yeah, well, they they've brought been... in 11 players, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, it's all changed. Uh, one defeat since the turn of the year. Something like 1,500 fans travelling as well down to Paisley for the game. It did look good. Yeah. It, did, it looked good down that end of the pitch, all those, all those fans. I think celebrating. that really helps, having a bigger way of support. Yeah, like that. yeah. Take, take up a full stand. I think it's so tight in Paisley as well, which is good. And I think kind of just the fans are getting behind Robbie Nielsen now. And it's a, now he's stamped his look on the, the squad. And the results have picked up. I think it's a kind of good time to... To be had at Tannadice just now. What, yeah. time, what time has this game kicked off? Is it three on the Saturday? Yeah. Oh, I see. I thought maybe they'd, uh, that Nicky Clark had um, inspired Genie <laughs> Winaldum for his finish. It was very goal. similar, wasn't it? Beautiful controlled lob over really the keeper. Similar. I mean, the, I mean, the keeper's quite your position, quite oh, frankly. Lovely. I would say that. But he takes them by surprise as well. Yeah, I would say that's up there oh, yes. with Scott Brown and Stephen Dobie's goals, definitely for this weekend. Wow. I liked it a lot. We do have a championship side through to the last eight. Uh, Partick Thistle. Gary Caldwell's side won 1-0 against East Fife at Bayview. Uh, one of the most exposed grounds in Scotland. That's why I would call your house if you moved next door to me. Yeah? You see me through uh, the window yes. just toweling myself. I'm in a bush. <laughs> toweling myself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, sorry, Laura. That escalated I'm not quickly. sure what Laura's doing in this situation, but uh, presumably GMS is there. Storm Eric was kind of there. Oh, I heard about this. So, Connor Hazard took a back pass... And booted it upfield, but it was so windy the ball for came Partick right. Thistle yeah, or East yeah. Fife? Uh, for Buddy Thistle, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was so windy the ball went flying back to him, so he had to catch it, and the ref gave an indirect free kick to East Fife. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Apparently the Thistle fans were raging. Imagine if that had gone in. There's also a surprising part during the game when um, when it was quite tight that Park Thistle kidnapped all of the uh, East Fife players. <laughs> Because of their training. The, yes, their SAS training, yeah. I presume you're alluding mm-hmm. to. Can we please never forget this story? Keep bringing it back up every few weeks. We shan't. But that's good. So it often helps you when you're doing badly in the league that you um, get a bit of a cup run. Yeah. And that seems to be happening at Park League just now. As we record this, Ross County will be taking on Inverness and a Highlands derby. Heeland derby. And the Heelands. Yes. So there will be another championship side in the last eight. So the draw is looking pretty tasty. Hibs are in the hat for the sixth round. Um, they beat Wraith Rovers of League One by three goals to one. Mark McNulty on the score sheet as well, on loan from Reading. Uh, I think he was he played his part in the second as well. I think he had a pretty decent game. Hibs were very good in this game. Wraith Rovers were not. And uh, this, it was here, actually. It was it was uh, John McGlynn, yeah. Wraith Rovers manager, who said that for them to get anything out of it, they needed... The, uh, the big oh, team yeah, you're saying this, uh, yeah. the big team has to have an off day and they have to have at, like 9 out of 10s all across the board But so it's impossible and Hibs just Hibs, Hibs were absolutely fine I, I mean Eddie May's not going to be in charge because they're bringing in they're going to bring someone in well Eddie May said after the game they think it'll be next week mm-hmm. and the favourite according to the bookies is uh, Michael Appleton yeah so we're, he he's managed recently as well I remember he was at Leicester yeah I don't know if he's any good because he's done nothing good at any of the clubs he's been at his win percentage record at Oxford United is 45%. I mean, that's decent enough. But Blackburn Rovers, disaster, 26%. Blackpool, he had 12 games, sure enough. That was enough, 16%. He was at Portsmouth before that as well, another 25 Like It's just, I don't know if Hibs could have held out for someone who had been a bit 
more expensive and has a clearer do you think, do you ascent think it's, towards stardom. Do you think that you know the the name that is Neil Lennon, and then going for someone like Michael Appleton is it a bit of a Appleton's but, one, so it's, Neil Lennon had won stuff so he won stuff for Celtic and he had a very tough job at Bolton he was doing okay he had, he had proof of trying to start at a lower team and do something with it and he clearly knew what he was doing at Celtic I mean it's easy enough to win anything with Celtic really as long as you're not an idiot you can win with Celtic at the moment and that's fair enough right yeah, I could win a league with Celtic, doesn't it? No, you couldn't. I could. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it but could. I don't know. Is it something to do with like keeping it under the radar? Like they've had a bit of something clearly happened with Neil Lennon. They don't want the drama, so let's just go for someone that's kind of unknown, not to, so to speak. I just don't get what their attraction is with him. What has he can't done? Go under the radar, he's yeah. massive. He's not unknown at all. He's, he's, he is an yeah. absolute rock for doing what. <laughs> He's for not being done anything. Hard as nails. <laughs> well, is that, that's all he's known for. <laughs> Career-wise, he's done nothing. He's linked with a lot of clubs, though. But in, linked with. Exactly, but then his name was in the was in the the metaphorical football there, hat. There, there are a lot of people. Things. There are a lot of managers who have came from nothing. Jose Mourinho for one, um, Eddie Howe for another. You know these these people are out there. I've been played. Yeah, it's a shame they could have went for Ian Cathro. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I was about to, so this is my I'm like calm down, Hibs fans, right? So I'm not really saying Sorry, that Castle should go. Throwing it out there. But I've been doing a thing for uh, my job <laughs> as a football writer, uh, looking at when managers peak and when their best years are. And generally, the best managers have won something by the time they're 43, like at least a lower league division. So, like I would say, a title of some sort, a domestic cup, a league title. Um, Appleton just now is 43. And has not really shown that you can do anything other than just do quite well at Oxford. And I think when you look at some of the managers that you could get, look at in, in Germany, you've got like Julian Nagelsmann, who's he's younger than me, and he's a star. There must be someone like that in the coaching thing in Scotland. And maybe just, they're just losing it, and you want someone with experience in this. And the Cathedral thing was a disaster at Hearts. So that's your. That's your litmus test. If that didn't work, then we can't try this again. But I think there must be other managers, coaches around that could do something. I just feel as if I, if I was a Hibs fan, I would be very underwhelmed by this. For going from... It screams mid-table, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, from going from Neil Lennon, um, and he very much as a, a man splits opinions, but as a manager looking from the outside, he is controversial, he is ambitious, He's loud and he goes for it and he'll not let anyone mess him around or his teams around. And he's got that strength and he applies it into the players as well. So when you've seen a manager basically take the, the squad by the scruff of the neck and shake them up to then have somebody else come in and be, uh I but you can't, obviously that wasn't working with the players at Hibs. So like shaking them about was well, doing nothing. So they maybe need something far. else. Well, maybe, but then you need to change it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you know what you're doing as a manager. It's about how do you motivate your players. And if you lose the, the room, then you, it's very hard to get it back. No, I, no, I don't no, know what happens I, like I as a person. I've no idea. From a supporter's perspective, All right. because they're seeing somebody so dominant take control. And I just feel like this is quite underwhelming compared. But from a supporter's perspective as well, season tickets are an all-time high. And that's probably down to the attacking style of football that Hibs have been playing. And it's been excellent to watch. To watch. Yeah. And, and last season, uh, even before this season kicked off, sorry, I even labelled them the entertainers. So if Appleton comes in and doesn't continue that brand of football, who knows what could happen. But Equally, hopefully hopefully, it, it's just a good thing for Hibs. They can move on from this situation yeah. and they can still challenge for top six. I would say with Appleton is that he has he does come from like kind of high stock. So... When you uh, like, he's trained at Man United. He came with the youth team, so he's used to playing at a high level. Um, and 
coaching wise I mean he was a caretaker at Leicester because he was yes. assistant right so that's the thing so he'll have his badges and whatever but you look at Steve Clark was dismissed as being a nonsense and it, to get a team right in Scotland is very simple you generally make them hard to beat and you make them good on the counter-attack there's a good players who can do that Maybe you'll change the style of play, which might ruin them to watch, but they might win more games. What's better, to look good or to win games? Well, do you know what? I don't know. The Scottish Women's Premier League kicked off this weekend with victories for Celtic and Motherwell. Andrew Southwick from BBC Scotland joins us now. With the national team qualifying for the World Cup, has the interest in the SWPL kind of gained a lot of momentum recently? Yeah. um, Obviously, the when they qualified two years ago for the European Championships, that kind of, before that happened, I think a lot of people didn't actually realise Scotland had a football team and did, then didn't realise that Scotland had a league as well. So from then it's grown and then obviously the World Cup qualification, it's, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's rocketed. I don't think, you know, if you go to a game that you see massive crowds, but it's certainly it's it's now getting reported on a lot more. The media interest is has really risen. Um, and we'd like to see, I mean, from a crowd point of view, we'd like to see a lot more this season. Um, I think the average crowds maybe only around about 200. I think they could do a lot more. But, you know, certainly a lot more interest, which is good. It's been a difficult month for the men at Hibs, uh, but the women's side have had a difficult pre-season as well, haven't they? Um, well, unfortunately, just because of the nature of Scottish women's football, you know, they don't really have full-time contracts, so... You know, Hibs had such a good team last season. They were so good to watch. And they've now lost eight of those players to, to England to full-time contracts, which is good for the players to, you know, progress themselves and get those contracts. But it has weakened Hibs considerably. So I think the actual Scotland national team, I think only four players are actually based in Scotland. But there's still there's a lot of good talent. Um, Hibs, I've mentioned them, but they've still got some great young players, you know, like Shannon McGregor, Jamie Lee Napier, Chelsea Cornett. They've got Rachel Small, who's had a baby, so she was out for a year. So now she's come back. Um, she's trying to get herself back into the Scotland squad for the World Cup, so be interested to see if that happens. Um, and, you know, Celtic have, have signed well. Uh, Glasgow City are always going to be up there. And Motherwell have got a good team as well. So, it's, you know, it's a lot of good players to, to keep your eye on. So Glasgow City are going for their 13th title in a row. Um, how have their preparations gone? Well, they've lost Abby Grant, who was arguably their best player. She's went to Anderlecht. But actually, they're, they're, they're pretty much still in, intact. Uh, you know, the Hibs have lost eight players. Glasgow City haven't lost anywhere near that amount. It'll be interesting to see what challenge they get this season. It'll be interesting to see how Hibs cope with that loss. Hibs have still got such a good youth system. They've still got so many youth players coming through that it's too early to, to write them off. Celtic, you'd expect we be stronger this season. They started the season really well with a 4-0 win of a 4 4 They've got a great manager in Eddie Vlecky Black, who's won the title four times with Glasgow City. So, he couldn't write them off either. So, I mean, it's one game, but I do, uh, I do think Glasgow City will win the title again. Unfortunately, from perspective of you want to see more competitive but at the same time you've got to admire Glasgow City massively for the fact that there's all these big clubs there's Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, Hibs, Motherwell and yet this one self-sustained club is still uh, keeping everyone at arm's length so it'll be interesting I think it definitely will be more competitive in the sense that Glasgow City and Hibs out with the games between the two of them last season they won every domestic game 
I don't think that will happen. Well, it's not going to happen for Hibs because Hibs drew yesterday. I don't think it will happen for Glasgow City either. I think the Cups will be really competitive as well. Um, a lot of clubs, even outside the top flight, Motherwell got to the Cup final last season. Uh, Hearts, respecting a lot from them. Celtic, I, they've been in a Cup final for, for the past two seasons. I, I wouldn't be surprised to take a one better and actually win one this season. So from that point of view, it will be interesting, but I would be surprised if Glasgow City make it 13 0. Celtic have also announced their intention to go full time, and some of the other giants in the Scottish game are looking to go big with their women's teams, aren't they? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. It should be noted it hasn't actually happened yet. They haven't actually gone full time yet. So Celtic expect maybe to go, they're hoping to go full time as early as the summer, so in time for the second half of the season. Um, Rangers said they're going to treble the investment in their team. I don't know when that's going to happen. I know Hearts have said they're going to make a six-figure investment in their team, but apparently that's not going to happen until November, which is the end of the season. Obviously, there's other clubs as well. Aberdeen have kind of taken their women's team in-house. Um, Motherwell, Partick Thistle, Dun United, they're all taking it really seriously. So I actually wrote an article last week and I'd said that, you know, this is going to be the most important season in women's football history and it has to has to be really good this season. But then I, th- I think I've kind of backtracked on that and maybe it's a little bit premature because Scottish women's football is going through a revolution at the moment and it's maybe, you know, this is the beginning. You've got the World Cup qualification. Scotland will get the legacy of that. Celtic, Rangers, all that, taking it uh, with their increasing investment. But maybe this season might just be a little, one year too early to see the impact of that and maybe it's more likely that you know next season we'll really see Celtic you know up up at the top really winning the league and stuff they've obviously got ambitions for the Champions League as well um, so I think it'll be a tough call for them to do it this year they have actually signed to date four players so it's not like they've made a massive overhaul in their squad but it'll be interesting certainly when they go when they do go full time it, it will be interesting to see how that works out I know they've been trying to sign players from within Scotland and they missed out on them because these players want to go to England because that's a full-time league. It'll be interesting, but then obviously if Celtic can get themselves in the Champions League, then it's a kind of different ball game because you know, people want to play in the Champions League. At the moment, Glasgow City and Hibs are the only two teams that can offer that. Well, that's it from us. We'll be back on Monday as the Premiership returns. Kelly looked to beat Celtic for the second time this season at Rugby Park, and we'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.